Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, it is great to be back with you guys. I have been offline for about two months, took August and September off. My family was on sabbatical this summer, and it was glorious. This is my 91st episode of All Things, and I've been producing this podcast now for about three and a half years. And so I just want to thank all of you who've been tuning in. Some of you have been tuning in that entire time. Some of you are newer listeners, but I just want to welcome all of you back and just again, reiterate my gratitude to you for being a part of this journey. Now, sabbatical was great, but I'm also thrilled to be back into the routine. I um, pulled some of you over social media about a month ago and just asked for your feedback. Wanted to make sure that I'm going in a direction that's helpful to you. Uh, My motto in writing as well as in podcasting is honor the Lord and serve the reader or honor the Lord and serve the listener. So I want to make sure I am serving you and I always welcome your feedback. But when I did those social media polls, I asked you guys a number of questions and I found out that you all equally love the monologue style as well as the dialogue style. That was really split between 50-50 when I just speak as I will today versus when I bring somebody in to interview. You guys like both. So I will keep doing doing both of those, more of the same. You guys love podcasts that last between 20 and 30 minutes, so that's going to be my goal to keep it there. And you guys also suggested a ton of great topics, which I really appreciate. So please, anytime you think of something that's going on in our world that you would like to dive into more, please send it to me via jenoshman.com or social media. I love to take those suggestions. Now, choosing what to speak on is tough. You guys had dozens of excellent ideas. Um, And even today, I feel the urgency and the pressure of so many things that are taking place around the globe and around the United States. You know, for example, in Pakistan, there is crazy monsoon raining and melting glaciers that have triggered floods that have submerged a third of the country. And that flooding has killed over 1,100 people, including almost 400 children. So the United Nations is appealing for help. They need $160 million to help with what they are calling an unprecedented climate catastrophe. Of course, a little bit closer to home, I am hearing about the urgency and the crises that's going on in Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi, again, torrential rain, coupled with years of water system issues has resulted in a terrible crisis there. The city now doesn't have enough water to fight fires, to flush toilets, or even water to give to residents who are in need. So schools have moved online and businesses have closed. Residents say the water that's coming out of their tap is discolored and unclean, and even bottled water is running out. Um, Even a little bit closer to home, at least spiritually or communally in terms of like my own faith family, I feel the pressure and even the urgency to talk about what has recently transpired with Pastor Matt Chandler out of the Village Church in Texas. Um, He is the president of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network, of which I am a part. My church plant, Redemption Parker, is an Acts 29 church, and it's a network um, that I know is not perfect, but one that we have really benefited from. Um, And so I feel 
feel the pressure of speaking into that situation as well, even though I'm not personally involved in any way or personally acquainted. But I am, just so you know, actually going to touch on um, the issue of men and women in partnership together in ministry next month in October. So stay tuned, bear with me for about one more month, and you will hear a message from me about what it looks like for brothers and sisters to be on mission together. But yeah, basically one of the issues with all things is there's so many topics and so little time. Um, I try to produce one podcast a week, but it's just me doing this on my own, the research, the writing, the production, um, just on my own. And so I don't always get to all of the valid topics that are worthy of discussion, but again, I always appreciate your feedback. So coming off of our sabbatical, which was such a gift of the Lord, a gift of grace, something that my family does not take for granted but we just thoroughly enjoyed coming out of sabbatical and then kicking off the new school year. I felt like what was heavy on my heart and really what was appropriate and what I was ready to talk about is our limitations as human beings and the reality of the pressures that we feel in our culture. The society that you and I live in, at least in the wealthy West or the modern West, is that we tend to live um, a ridiculous pace of life. We put a ton of pressure on ourselves and pressure on one another to sort of ignore our limitations and to live life to it, you know, in, to an extreme in such a way that we don't have margin when it comes to time and sleep and relationships and finances. I think that we as a people place so much value in what we do, our abilities, our productivity, our to-do lists. I wrote about this actually in Cultural Counterfeits, my book that came out in March. And just our um, the emphasis that we place on, you know, what do you do? What is your job? What is your role? Who are you in society? What do you do? Um, but I want to just point out, we are human beings, not human doings. That's something I try to repeat to myself and to my kids. We all have value simply because we are made in the image of God. We are made imago Dei. So regardless of who you are and what your abilities are, regardless of what you're capable of, what regardless of what your body or your brain or your station in life can produce, you and I have infinite value and worth because we are made in the image of God. So as we're diving back into the school year, and I'm diving in with all of you, I am speaking to myself first and foremost as I speak to you. I've got kids in school um, who are, you know, senior and sophomore. I also have a college student away. My kids are pursuing sports and theater and clubs. You know, I'm personally in school. I'm back at seminary this semester. I have a full women's ministry schedule, speaking, podcasting, writing, a lot going on. So I'm recording this episode as much for me, maybe more for me. <laughs> than for you. And as I proceed, you know, I'm, I am kind of talking to parents here, but not only to parents, you know, I'm going to share statistics and trends that are related to kids, but they do apply to all of us, you know, not just as caregivers, but also leaders in our churches or in our communities and even just adults in our society. So if you're not a parent, don't tune out because I think a lot of the statistics and the things that I'm going to be talking about apply to you, whether you have children in your care or not. These ideas and these principles can be applied to your own own context because you are prob probably overly busy and overly scheduled as most of us are. So let me start with some statistics, some trends that we're seeing. Um, and I'm going to link, as I always do, all of the data and all of the research in my show notes. But let me start with this. 72% of parents feel that their kids have less free and unstructured time when compared to their own childhoods. Of course, I can relate to that. I feel like I was a lot less busy than my kids are now. 85 
85% of parents believe scheduled activities like sports and clubs lead to greater success in life. You know, we see that in our communities. We see that in our schools. Um, In order for you to be competitive when you apply for a high school or if you're going to a private one or to a college or to get scholarships, you know, parents feel like their kids have to be involved in so many things. And we definitely felt that pressure. Our kids lived overseas for a good chunk of their childhood. And when we came back and they were in middle school and high school, you know, we felt like they were really behind because we didn't raise them on the soccer field or in particular participating in any kind of rec or club sport. Um, but it seemed like all of their peers were already really far along in those activities. So I definitely see this in my own community. And I'm guessing that you do too, that 85% of parents think sports and clubs lead to greater success. Um, I read that only one in five parents strongly agree that it's good for children to be bored now and then. So that's just one in five. And that means that four out of five parents don't think that their kids should ever be bored. So parents are working hard to make sure that their kids don't feel bored, which I think is probably an exhausting endeavor for mom and dad. Now, according to the National Sleep Foundation, found this really interesting, kids who are ages 6 to 13 should be getting 9 to 11 hours of sleep each night. And kids who are ages 14 to 17 should be getting eight to 10 hours a night. So I have two at home that are still in that range, eight to 10. And we try so hard for that in our household. We rarely make it. But my goal is that my kids would be getting at least no later than eight hours a night and ideally more like 10. Well, according to a national survey published in 2015 by the CDC, so a few years old, but I'm guessing the numbers are the same or potentially worse, um, only about 58% of American middle school students and more than 72% of high school students are not getting enough sleep on school nights. So the majority, 58% in middle school, 72% in high school, they're not getting the recommended amount of sleep on school nights. I found this interesting. Recently, California passed a state law requiring middle school to start no earlier than 8 a.m. and high school no earlier than 8.30 a.m. So they've mandated it across the state. You cannot be starting school sooner than 8 a.m. for um, sixth to eighth grade and no earlier than 8.30. I kind of think this is wonderful. I'd love it if my kids were going to school as late as 8.30 in the morning. Now, rural districts and private schools are exempt from the law, but similar proposals are being discussed all around the United States. So I think we could potentially be seeing this in many other places. And I know that there are really difficult ripple effects that come with that. You know, that's going to affect after-school programs. It's going to affect sports. Um, It's going to affect teens' availability, maybe to take care of or pour into younger siblings or younger community members. You know, parents are complaining, saying their kids are just going to go to bed later. But um, the policy and advocacy director for Start School Later says this, this is a public health issue because the sleep deprivation in teens is really at epidemic levels. She said sleep deprivation can lead to depression, learning loss, and attendance issues. And we all know that, don't we? I mean, when we don't get enough sleep, You and I feel anxious, discouraged. Um, Nothing looks positive when we don't sleep well or when we don't get enough sleep. 
And sleep deprivation isn't the only negative impact of our kids' overly full scheduled lives. Um, Dr. Murray, who's a pediatrician and the lead author of the American Academy of Pediatrics study the or book, The Crucial Role of Recess. I love that title, The Crucial Role of Recess. He says this, as a society, we've started to favor greater structure instead of letting kids just be. Parents shouldn't feel like they have to schedule activities to keep their kids constantly preoccupied. Boredom is often the canvas for creativity. It can lead to new interests and experiences. Self-directed activities with peers help build crucial social and emotional skills, which are actually a better predictor of future success in school and life than IQ. So we think, we tend to think that our kids need to be in every club. You know, they need to be taking a language. They need to be in a sport. And those things definitely aren't bad, but we've neglected the reality that boredom is actually a good thing, that chill time allows kids to grow socially and emotionally, and that it even leads to having kids who do better academically in the future. So I just want to encourage you parents to embrace the boredom along with your kids. Um, Apparently, this is something that even doctors are beginning to prescribe to their patients. They are prescribing more downtime, more recess, more free playtime. But despite the abundance of research regarding the benefits of child-led play or boring playtime play, parents continually rank just child-led play near the bottom of their preferred activities. Here's what's true. Sooner or later, kids who are too busy are going to begin to show signs. And I think we're seeing that. Um, Anxiety, depression, stress, sleeplessness, these things are through the roof in the wealthy West, especially here in the United States. Now, every child is different, but here's what overly scheduled kids may experience. This is how they may show it to you and me. They feel tired, obviously, anxious or depressed. They complain of headaches or stomach aches, which may be due to stress or missed meals or lack of sleep. They fall behind on their schoolwork and sometimes their grades begin to drop. Now, not just those things, but also friendships and social lives can begin to suffer as kids don't have the time to just develop friendships and play together. And of course, families as a whole also suffer. You know, if it's the norm for every kid in a family to be off doing a different activity, then families are not together in the evening. They're running from school um, to their different activities. Mom is driving kids one place. Dad is driving other kids to a different place. And the families aren't sitting down to have a meal together or just to sit on the couch together, to sit and be bored together. Um, Time together really takes a hit, but so do finances. I think we all know this. When we begin to play the sports and buy the uniforms or buy the costumes for the dance recital or pay the fees or pay the dues, not only do we start to run out of margin in our relationships and in our schedules, but also in our budgets. And we feel that push. You know, We feel like we need to keep up with the Joneses. We've got to keep up with the other families. I know that parents genuinely want the best for their kids. I certainly do. You know, we're motivated to provide what's best and we see what everyone else is doing and it feels like we're falling behind. Um, This is something every parent deals with as we look around us and go, well, here's what everybody else is doing. Am I less than as a parent? Am I failing my children if I am not participating in all of this? Well, here's another helpful quote, and this is from a psychologist and professor of educational and clinical child psychology, again, linked in the show notes. But she says that parents need to be thinking about their quality of life. She says, ask yourselves, are the kids okay with being rushed, eating on the go, and doing homework in the car? What does that mean for the family? Can we support this? Parents might consider opting to put their child in a recreational activity if the competitive stream is going to limit them from doing other activities or 
make them feel overextended. So in other words, she's suggesting rec leagues versus competitive leagues, you know, toning it down a little bit. She said a different lifestyle can lead to a different commitment. Um, I did think this was really interesting. Since the pandemic, a lot of competitive sports and even travel sports participation is really down. I think a lot of families tasted the goodness of that open schedule during the pandemic. Um, it was less hectic. It was less expensive. There was more time together on, under one roof. People were just bored together. Um, and they learned how to hang out together. And many have discovered that that was for our good. And so post-pandemic, people aren't returning as much to those really exhausting sports schedules. But here's where I just want to land as I want to suggest to you and remind myself that we really consider how we live life this coming school year, that you and I do not have to sign up for the same pace of life that we see all around us, that we can make some decisions that will be countercultural um, and that will probably also be counter to our flesh and counter to just our um, natural born drive to sort of keep up with the Joneses or to compare ourselves to others and want to keep the pace that others keep. But we can make some decisions to live differently this year. We don't have to keep living like this. So as a family or just you as an individual, what is it? that you want your life to look like this year? What are your long-term goals? What are you thinking that you want to make sure your life included in the next year, five years, 10 years? Um, what is it that you want your kids to experience before they leave home? Because the reality is if you are you and I are not really intentional, then the voids in our life, the free space in our life is going to really fill up. If we don't protect the margins that we were made to live for, if we don't protect the eight hours of sleep that God designed us to have on a daily basis, then we are going to miss out. We're going to fill our plates too full and we're going to continue living at a pace that's just unsustainable. So give this some, some thought. Maybe talk about it tonight over dinner. Text your spouse right now. Text your kids. Um, jot it down in your journal. What do I want my life to really be about? What do I want this year to look like? And for those of you who are Christian parents, I want to ask you, are you prioritizing spiritual things? Are you making time for your family to be in the word, to be praying, to be worshiping together? You know, I've been a mom now for over 19 years, and I can tell you that more is caught than taught. That adage is really true. My kids are soaking up the atmosphere of my home on a daily basis, little drips in the bucket, little moment by moment investments. Um, they are impacted by that much more than they are me sitting down and giving them a lecture and saying, you know, here's what's true and here's what's good. Um, a few years back, I read a study that was published by Lifeway Research, and it was really formative, really helpful for me. I will link it in the notes. But anyway, Lifeway Research wanted to find out what were the best predictors of spiritual health among young adults? So in other words, they polled Christian adults who were raised in Christian homes, and they asked what was present in those homes? What were the things going on in those homes that led to these Christian adults who were Christian kids staying in the faith, continuing their walk with Jesus beyond their childhood years? Here are the top five things, and there's more than five. You can look at the research yourself, but here's the top five things that were in the home's Christian homes that led to Christian adults. Regular time in the Bible as a family, regular time in prayer, regularly serving in the local church, regularly listening to Christian music, and participation in church mission trips or projects. So I want to ask you, mom and dad, and remind myself, ask myself, are we leaving time for that? Are we prioritizing those things? Are we making space for the most important things? If we say that our faith is our highest priority and our kids' faith is their highest priority, 
Are we scheduling Bible, prayer, service, even worship music, mission trips or mission projects? Are those on our calendar as much as um, the sports activities or the extracurricular activities? So I want to just say, close by saying, you know, we can do this. What would it look like for you to make those changes this year? What would it look like for you to really be intentional about family meals and time around the dinner table? We don't have to keep the pace that our friends and our neighbors and our other community members are keeping. Our value, our self-worth, our identity is not found in our activities or in our abilities. Our value and our worth is because we were created in God's image and he designed you and me exactly the way we are with the exact limitations that we have, that we might abide in him and trust in him and rest in him. Are we passing that rest on to our kids? Are we passing that identity on to our kids? What would it look like if you rested in Christ more this year? If you hid your life in Jesus this year, if you equated your worth with the person and finished work of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, rather than equating your worth with your grades or your kids' grades or your kids' sports and the things that you do? What if we took some of that pressure off? So my encouragement to you, friends, is sit down, decide on your values, write down these boundaries, put the most important things on your schedule first, and commit to making some of these changes, slowing down and prioritizing life together. Honestly, this is what your kids want anyway. Your kids are looking for more time around the table, more time with you. Now, I would love to hear how you're doing this. Please reach out and share your ideas, share your pictures on social media, comment on the website, or shoot me an email. Let me know how you're doing this. Maybe we can spur one another on as we pursue identity in Christ and rest in the coming year. Well, thanks you guys for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. 